Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 330. It's titled, Should You Buy Silver? Yesterday... Silver prices hit the highest level in eight years to over $29.50 per ounce. The London Bullion Market Association, which oversees the silver market, said that more than a billion ounces of silver was traded yesterday. That's three times greater than the average from the end of 2020. Ken Lewis, CEO of AppMax, which is a dealer in precious metals, coins, bullion, bars, said yesterday on Bloomberg TV that they had more volume in silver sales in the past three days than they had all of December. And 43% of those orders were from new customers, where typically it's only 14 to 20% of orders in a given day are from new customers. Adrian Ash, who's the director of research at Bullion Vault, which also sells silver bullion, said they had more customers yesterday than all of last February. Why is there this sudden interest in silver? Last week, we discussed Wall Street Bets, the subreddit, and what was driving the price of GameStop and other meme stocks. There were some posts last week on Wall Street Bets about silver being the biggest short in the world. But there's posts on all different types of topics. But some of those posts, because they're voted on in this forum, made it to the top. And then news organizations picked it up that that the Wall Street Bet subreddit was now turning the focus on silver. But then some on Wall Street Reddit said, no, they're not promoting silver, that there are proponents of silver taking advantage of the forum. So there was a lot of confusion over Who's driving this increase in silver? But clearly, it's happening. One commodities trader said about Wall Street bets that I'm beginning to think that they are being suckered by the silver scammers to try to get the price up. Today, when I looked at Wall Street bets, there wasn't any of the top articles on silver. There appeared to be a couple about diamonds, but most was on GME stock, which fell over 50% this week. Here we are with silver having spiked to its highest level in eight years. Today, it's down to $27 per ounce. But the sudden interest in news gives us an opportunity to look at silver, the investment case for silver, and should we buy silver? Now, there are two primary ways to buy silver. We can buy it physical, including coins or bullion, bars. We can also buy silver through an exchange-traded fund, like the iShares Silver Trust, which owns physical silver also, or we can participate in the silver futures market. And we'll talk about how that works. 
A lot of these news articles reference some of the posts on Wall Street bets about how silver is the biggest short in the world and there'll be a squeeze and we're going to stick it to the banks that are short. But silver's really different than the short squeeze on GameStop or some other stock like I talked about last week where you had hedge funds that were massively short GameStop. There were more shorts than shares outstanding. And then when the stock started to rise, those hedge funds needed to buy back GameStop stock so that they could close out their short position and stop losing money. But if we look at the positioning of hedge funds and other speculators in the silver futures market, they're actually net long. In other words, positioned for silver to go up in price. And they have been net long since 2019. Financial Times reported that analysts said bullion banks such as HSBC and J.P. Morgan did not have speculative naked short positions in silver. And if anything, would make money by selling silver to exchange-traded funds and helping miners hedge exposure. Bernard Dada, an analyst at Natixis, said it's the wrong understanding of the market. It's trying to apply the same rationale as GameStop, but most of the market is long silver. The banks are going to make more profit, and the silver buyers are indirectly sending their own money to them. If we look at the current positioning of speculators in silver, they are net long 44,000 future contracts worth about $220 million. But even if they decided to take delivery, that net long position, there's a billion dollars of silver in the vaults at the London bullion market. So there doesn't seem to be a silver squeeze in the same way there is for the GameStop stock. What a futures contract is, according to the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission, an agreement to buy or sell a particular commodity at a future date. So when we say that the hedge funds are net long, an investor that is net long is agreeing to take delivery, in this case, of silver at a future date, and they expect that the price of silver will go up. Because if we're net long silver, let's say at a price of $27, and the contract expires a year from now, if silver ends up being $30 per ounce, then the investor could take physical delivery of silver and then resell it and make a profit, difference between the $30 and the $27, or they could offset the position. By offsetting, that means simply taking the opposite of the position that was originally taken. So if an investor was long silver, then they could offset that by going short, and that offsetting neutralizes it. And then if silver went up in price, again, that profit would have been locked in. The other side of the trade is if an investor is net short and expects the price of the particular commodity to fall. In this case, if the price of silver falls below the particular contract price or strike price, then the investor that is net short would make money. There's a clearinghouse that stands as an intermediary with these future contracts. So if I'm net long or net short, it's the clearinghouse that stands in the middle so that we can ensure that we'll be able to close out our position and take the profits or the losses. The way that these future contracts work is you put up a margin, money, funds that are required in order to enter into a contract. For example, the margin on 
silver future contracts was just increased at the beginning of February to $16,500 per contract. Each silver future contract is worth 5,000 troy ounces of silver. So at $27 per ounce, a silver contract is worth $135,000. And so if you chose to take delivery of that one futures contract, in the future, you would receive 5,000 ounces of silver and would need to pay for it in order to take delivery. Because at this point, you only have to put up $16,500 to enter into the contract. An investor that is net long, as silver falls in price, if it fell, for example, 10%, then that would result in a loss because this is spread over 5,000 ounces of $13,500. And that's where you see a lot of leverage embedded in futures contract because the margin we had to put up was only $16,500. And then silver fell 10%. Well, of that $16,500, we've already lost most of it. And potentially we'll need to put up even more margin, which is a margin call because our initial margin was almost totally wiped out. The other thing to consider with futures is what is the future price? We can look at the different contracts that expire at different times. So there's a silver contract that expires in February 2021, March, April, up until we can get a contract that expires in March 2022. And the price of that futures contract, the delivery price, if we went net long, is $27. So a year from now, if we went net long that contract, silver would need to be higher than $27 in order to make money on silver. That's how silver futures work. Again, we could just buy silver coins from AppMex, for example. That's who I've bought gold coins from in the past. In that case, we need to store them somewhere, safe deposit box and a home safe. There are some custodians that might be able to do that, but there is a little bit of a disadvantage between holding gold, which is worth over $1,800 an ounce, and silver, which is $27. You need a lot more silver for an equivalent amount of gold. But what about the underlying fundamentals? Silver differs from gold because about half of silver is used for industrial uses, not just for speculation. If we look at data from the Silver Institute, they do an annual report on the supply and demand of silver. The supply of silver on an annual basis from 2011 through 2020 has been about a billion ounces. And the demand over that same period on an annual basis has been about a billion ounces of demand. The main supply source is mine production, about 800 million ounces per year, with another 200 million ounces coming from recycling. Demands about half, 500 million ounces per year, is industrial uses, which includes photovoltaics, which is silver used primarily in solar panels. Now, the 200 million ounces of demand per year for jewelry, 50 or so million for silverware, and then about 200 million per year for net physical investment. Now, that has changed over time. Back in 2013, it was closer to 300 million ounces of physical investment. But what has changed is the rise of exchange-traded products. 
which isn't included in that number. In 2020, there was 120 million ounces that went into exchange-traded products such as the iShares Silver Trust. Some of that physical demand buying the actual bullion has been transferred over to investing in exchange-traded products. Now, one of the areas that has seen less demand for silver is photography because it has gone digital. Over the past decade, that's dropped about 30 million ounces of demand per year, and it's been replaced with photovoltaics. So solar panels, while an important use of silver, has not been growing that substantially. It's grown, but it essentially has offset the amount that's been used for photography. And solar panel manufacturers are getting more efficient with their use of silver. So overall, it's hard to see a big industrial use case increasing demand for silver. To make an investment case, you really have to focus on will investors want to own more silver as a hedge against inflation, as a safe haven, or because they think other investors will buy it to drive up the price, such as institutional investors that might want to own it to diversify out of fiat currencies. Very similar to dynamics for owning gold, which I discuss in the written guide I did, A Complete Guide to Investing in Gold, which you can find on the Money for the Rest of Us website. Before we continue, let me pause and share some words from this week's sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. 
After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. Investors, including me, own gold because it's a safe haven and it's under-owned by institutional investors if they decide to diversify their currency exposure away from fiat currencies such as the dollar to own gold is one way to do that. People own silver for the same reason, then they own silver and gold as an inflation hedge, recognizing that neither silver or gold keeps up with inflation each year. In fact, it depends on when you bought gold or silver. The high for both was back in 1980, and then it sort of bottomed in the 2003 period. So if you bought gold or silver in 1980, by 2003, you're still underwater after adjusting for inflation. Had you bought silver in 2003, you would be up on an inflation-adjusted basis. But if you bought at the last peak in silver in 2011, where it reached close to $50 per ounce, you would be down since then. So from an inflation hedge perspective, it kind of depends on when you bought. What's interesting about that 2011 period was what was driving it. During that period, silver went from $17.60 an ounce in June 2010 to an all-time high of $46.47 per ounce on March 11, 2011. What was driving the rally? Well, the Federal Reserve had announced another round of quantitative easing, and so there was worry about the debasement of the dollar. Solar panels were becoming more popular, so there was rumors that the use of silver in solar panels was increasing. And it, it is used, but solar panel producers are getting more efficient. The other thing driving it was what is known as the gold-silver ratio. The idea that there should be a relationship between the price of gold and silver. And if silver gets too cheap relative to gold, then silver should go up in price. Right now, for example, gold on a per ounce basis sells for 65 times the price of silver. That's about what it was in 2010. And it fell all the way to where gold was only priced 30 times per ounce the price of silver after silver rebounded to close to $50 per ounce. The lowest gold to silver ratio was 20, and that was during a time when there was an attempt by the Hunt brothers to corner the silver market, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But the highest ratio was right before the pandemic, where gold sold for 125 times the price of silver. Silver got really cheap, and I think at that point you could have made a case for, yeah, go long silver. And had you, because silver was selling for less than $15 an ounce, you would have made a profit. Those are big swings in the gold-silver ratio from 20 to 125. And given if we're participating in silver futures, how leveraged those are and the swings that we could see, that was in 2011. That was the peak. Silver got up to $50 per ounce and then continued to fall for the next eight years. Even with this recent rally, we're not to that level. The gold to silver ratio is 65. Will it go down to 30? I don't know. Will it go back up to 125? Where gold sells for 125 times the silver price per ounce. 
There's no way to know that, which is why participating in gold and silver is purely speculation. There's no cash flow. And we can argue over what the correct price is for silver or for gold and probably never come to an agreement. So it's, it's different from a cash flow generating asset where we can place a value on it. This asset is selling for 10 times cash flow or 20 times earnings, where it, historically it's been selling for less than that. With precious metals, it's sort of, well, here's what it's selling relative to its history or relative to some other precious metals, hence the gold-silver ratio. The time that silver was the most expensive relative to gold was in 1980, back when gold and silver were both at all-time highs. At that time, Nelson, Lamar, and William Hunt, they were the son of a Texas oil billionaire, and they had been buying up silver. In 1979, the price of silver was $6.08 per troy ounce. By January 1st, 1979, it was $49.45 per ounce. It had increased 713%. The brothers were estimated to have held one-third of the entire world's silver supply. Tiffany's even ran a full-page ad in the New York Times condemning the Hunt brothers. On January 7, 1980, Comex, the silver exchange, adopted a new rule called Silver Rule 7, and it placed restrictions on purchasing commodities on margin. And the Hunt brothers had borrowed significant amounts of money to buy silver, and as a result, they had to get rid of some of their silver, and it drove down the price over 50% in four days. That was the last time somebody tried to corner the silver market. I don't think retail investors would have that ability to do that. Maybe, but the silver market is much larger than GameStop. GameStop's stock's market capitalization in mid-January before its run-up in price was about $1.6 billion. Whereas the annual supply of, of new silver coming on with a billion ounces of new silver, the annual supply of, of new silver coming to market every year is worth $27 billion, depending on the price of silver used. A much different market. What you could see, and we've seen this in the past, is if most of the demand for silver is for coins and other products, and other products that are minted from silver, you could see a shortage in silver coins because of production constraints at mints that mint coins. But the supply of the raw silver, you would need significant demand and bullion for that before a shortage pushed up that silver price. Again, it's possible. That's what speculating is. There is discussion, if you do research on precious metals, about, well, market manipulation. Clearly, it has occurred in the past. J.P. Morgan Chase admitted this past September to wrongdoing as it relates to market manipulation involving two of its trading desks. They were spoofing. Spoofing is putting up orders in the futures markets or other derivatives markets with no intention of executing. It's putting up a price in hopes that others will bid on it and drive up the price. It's a form of market manipulation. As a result of this wrongdoing, J.P. Morgan paid a $920 million fine. 
And there were rumors for years about the gold market and the silver markets being manipulated. It has occurred, but generally speaking, these are such large and deep markets that the price is going to be set by speculators, hedgers, and the demand for the physical product for industrial uses and for investment purposes to own the physical silver. I think the reason to own silver or to own gold is for speculation as a hedge in hopes that over time it will keep pace or do better than inflation, that its price will rise relative to fiat currencies. Because while there is an unlimited amount of fiat currencies that can be created, there are some physical constraints to silver and gold. It has to be mined and produced. The supply is increasing, but not as fast as the money supply. It can make sense to buy silver when its price relative to gold is low. There is an exact ratio what it should be, but certainly beginning of 2020, when gold was selling at 120 times the price of silver, perhaps there was an opportunity there. An investor could have gone long silver futures and short gold futures, and it would have made money as that ratio narrowed. I don't own any silver. I have preferred to speculate in gold and own about 5% of my net worth in gold coins and gold ETFs, simply because it's, it's more valuable. And so it doesn't take quite as much gold as it does silver in terms of storing the physical product. But there can be a speculative case made for both. That's our overview of investing in silver. There doesn't appear to be a significant industrial increase in demand. What we don't know is, will this speculative increase in silver continue? Or all those new customers that bought at $30 per ounce are now regretting their decision now that silver fell to $26 per ounce. Or maybe silver will go up to $40 or $50 an ounce again. No way to know. That is what speculation is, and that's episode 330. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you would like to learn more about investing, there's two ways I can help with that. First, consider signing up for my Insider's Guide email list. This is an email I send to listeners where I preview that week's podcast episode, include the show note links, and share an article on money, investing, and the economy, as well as other valuable content. It's free, and you can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.com. Second, if you would like some additional guidance in building and managing an institutional quality portfolio, Money for the Rest of Us Plus can help you with that. Money for the Rest of Us Plus gives you access to professional-grade portfolio tools, training, and a community to help you stay on track, tune out the noise, and grow your wealth with confidence. There are model portfolio examples that will help jumpstart your investing You can see how I'm investing and all the trades that I make, and you get access to video lessons that will help you step-by-step to create an investment portfolio that will help you achieve your financial goals. You can learn more about Money for the Rest of Us Plus at moneyfortherestofus.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered your specific risk situation, I've not provided investment advice. This is simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. 
Have a great week.